idea of what that first call might look like, what our message what we're sharing. And so we've been working on that. It's not perfect. It's better than it was. And Larry's going to be my prospect, and we're going to go through this. Um, again, don't, don't judge the uh, uh, role play and knowing all the stuff, because I'm trying to present the flow of me and the flow of the thought processes. Okay? So pay attention to that. And then afterwards, we're going to talk a little bit about um, messaging and the challenger sale. And our first call is going to change from today, it's a bit of a hunt. We're going out, we're having a first call, and we're hunting for something, pain that we can leverage to get their attention and get an agreement. Okay? We're looking for pain. We're hunting today. We're hunters. Okay? This is going to transition us to more of a, a pitch. Here's what we do. You know, is there a connection? Is there, does, might this help you? All right, well, this is going to be more of a, this is who we are and what we do, and we're going to decide if you need this or not. And so that's the change. And the challenger sale is the flow of how that meeting needs to go. We're going to talk about that after, but pay attention during and just kind of listen to the dialogue and how this progresses, see what you think. And we'll talk about that at the end, but this is, this is about um, where our message and what we're delivering to the marketplace is heading um, this year and going forward. Okay? So we're going to do that. We're going to do a role play. Again, he's my customer, uh, prospect, excuse me, and his building is going to be, um, did you find out the name of that place? Kern. That's the name of it. So there's a, there's a company in Greenville, lighting. They make lighting. They make stuff like this. And um, it's called Current, and it's a billion dollar lighting company. And um, they've got a big office building on Interstate 85, and it's probably 120,000 square feet or so. Very nice. Something catches the eye. And uh, I'm assuming it's something that they intend to help their business in some way. So we're going to talk about that. He's going to be a business person. He's not the facility person. He's somebody with a budget for the business. And um, so that's going to be the foundation of the role play. Hopefully, we can hear the video and all that stuff now. We'll see. And so, uh, huh? Does, uh, does Current already have a service agreement with us? Or is Every, no, no. This is a prospect. This is a prospect. And everybody we go to has a service group. They're doing something. Everybody we talk to is doing something. And we have to get their attention. Where they're interested in the pain in the rear end it is to change and do something. Okay. That's what this first call is. Alright. Larry, thank you for uh, letting me come meet you today. Um, I'm here representing Dynamic. And briefly I wanted to share with you some recent developments that we think will impact our clients. Our clients um, are big energy users, which we consider to be six figures and up. So I'm going to begin to help us cover a little ground quickly, and we'll begin with a little three and a half minute video. We'll kind of take a look at that. We'll go from there. Okay. The availability of reliable, affordable, 
and plentiful energy has never really been in question since the dawn of America's industrial age. The business community has generally viewed energy as a relatively straightforward operating concern. As you're probably aware, this landscape is changing. Consider Europe. Years of policy decisions have cascaded into uncertainty and risk. Russian fossil fuels can no longer be relied upon in their protracted transition to clean energy sources. <clears throat> Reliable, affordable, and plentiful is gone, replaced by energy scarcity. Could this happen here? Consider recent events. Reuters recently reported the power grid in the central United States could be forced to impose rotating blackouts on some of the hottest days of the summer due to rising demand, coupled with coal and nuclear plant retirements. Coal and nuclear plant to generate 41% of U.S. electricity. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham was speaking to the Southern States Energy Board when he referred to natural gas as a bridge fuel in our energy transition. Natural gas provides 38% of U.S. electricity. Duke Energy raised commercial and industrial electricity prices 20 plus percent due to baseload fuel costs. Due to upcoming New York City regulations, J.P. Morgan is building an all-electric headquarters for 14,000 workers. Electric cars are multiplying. The demand for electricity is increasing. America's biggest oil industry trade group has drafted a proposal urging Congress to adopt a carbon tax, which would place a surcharge on gasoline and other fossil fuels to discourage greenhouse gas emissions. Regulation and surcharges are increasing. This year, Californians and Texans set their thermostats to 78 degrees and avoided the use of large appliances to prevent blackouts. The U.S. is adopting the same policies plaguing Europe, and the inevitable weather or geopolitical events will increasingly yield Europe's result, energy scarcity. The demands of energy scarcity are numerous, but two will especially strain our businesses. Rapidly increasing costs and unwanted scrutiny. The first demand is unreliable supply coupled with increasing demand drives costs higher, often exorbitantly so. The second demand will prove more difficult. Business shares energy needs with the American public. When voters feel pain, the large energy users will face intense scrutiny. A Boston ordinance sets emission targets and reporting requirements for buildings 20,000 square feet and higher. The ordinance also establishes the Emissions Review Board with community representation. The reason? To increase accountability and transparency. Those appearing wasteful will suffer. Are you prepared? So Larry, those are some of the things that we see coming to the market. Pretty significant changes, pretty significant pressures. Are any of these things, have they been on your radar and managing your business? Absolutely. That's, uh, so that resonates, so uh, it's on with us. Certainly on the increasing cost of electricity. And we have some corporate initiatives associated with some greenhouse gas reduction and what we kind of put in our annual uh, 
want to hear more about that. Um, we're going to get started, though, with this conversation talking about your biggest exposure to energy. And your biggest exposure in your business is probably uh, your building, you know, this, this, this building that we're in here. Um, let's dig into that just a little bit deeper. Okay. So you can see here on the left side of this uh, slide, the iceberg, which represents investment in the building, investment in this building that you have here. So you see the part above the water, that's, that's what everybody thinks about. Maybe what you think about, it's what you spent. It's what you spent to build this place. Probably a considerable amount, probably a lot of thought went into that. You notice below the water, below the surface, things that you don't notice and think about so much, 75 to 85% of the money that's gonna be spent on this building over its life cycle is operations and its impact, the overall impact on your business. So that's what we're going to chat about just for a minute, is that large capital expense and large energy user, that's what this building is and what it represents to you. So let's talk about the building's financial impact on the business, which is this uh, graphic over here, pie chart, over on the right-hand side. When you, uh, when you invested when you spent the amount of money you did to build this place were there any goals did you have any particular uh aims or objectives on how this building would impact what you're doing well certainly we wanted it to be a place that would uh, attract the kind of employees that, that we want and need um, so that was important to us that it be a, a place that people want to come and work and you know and there was some you know investment towards you know, looking at being as efficient and effective as it can be in terms of operating costs. But mostly it was about being able to attract the kind of employees that we want. Okay, good. Um, the financial impact on the business, on the right-hand side, we categorize it into four areas. So capital, which is the upfront, which we talked about a little bit, we talked about a little more. Um, but also, the, the annual capital, that it requires to keep the current, keep it operational, to make sure that you don't have failures and problems where your building isn't available for whatever reason. Um, that's capital. And then maintenance, again, keeping the building up and running. Efficient, as you mentioned, efficiency, and that's to keep that objective occurring over time. Productivity, which is what takes place inside the building every day, which is all your workers and how productive they are. And then finally, energy. So if you look at these, some of them are opportunities. Some of them are things that help your business and other things are risks, all right? Let's, let's talk about a, a bit of the building's energy usage here for a moment, which is key to some of your risk and thinking back to the video, something that we're talking about today. You'll notice along the bottom of this screen here a few statistics. So starting with the left, commercial buildings consume 35% of electricity consumed in the United States and generate 16% of all the United States <coughs> carbon-based emissions. Well, with the emphasis on reducing those things, the buildings, commercial buildings, are going to be a target, seeing as how they have that large presence. <coughs> Second, second item here, according to the US EPA, on average, 30% of the energy used in a commercial building is wasted. 
that in mind. I hope that's not the case here. I hope, well, maybe there's a way to find out. According to the third one, according to the Department of Energy, two-thirds of the building's energy goes into two areas of this building's operation. HVAC, air conditioning, and then light. Those are two major energy users for this building. And both HVAC and lighting are regulated by the government. They're both, um, they both have uh, different, whether it's EPA or OSHA, they have regulations that will affect you. So big energy user, lots of waste, and regulation all come together in this building. Have you historically managed this building um, maybe as a source of risk? Have you thought about it that way? Something that could be a risk to your business? Uh, not, not too much, not really. Um, you know, it's just kind of, we operate it and we pay the bills and occasionally we have some problems and, you know, we have to make some investments. But I've really not thought about the building much other than its appearance uh, and how it affects our folks to our workers and, and being more attractive. So here are some areas of risk that a business manager may experience um, when it comes to the business. Okay, um, we're going to start out here for just a second with this notion of stakeholder scrutiny. That that was mentioned in the video. Um, I want to share a little bit more about that. Who do you consider stakeholders in your business? Well, certainly our investors, people that that, that own. Our business, our stockholders, but it's also obviously our employees, our vendors, our customers, um, you know, our, our employees' families are all stakeholders. Okay. And that's that's probably a pretty typical answer, yeah. um, a good answer, and it's, and it's true for all those areas that you mentioned. I'll bring you back to the example in the video of the city of Boston. Okay. Remember that. You know, Boston, they're requiring all building owners, uh, 20,000 square feet and up, to report their energy use. And did you pay attention or hear who they're reporting it to? It's uh, like a community board or a community, community members were in the board or something like that. Community are now being considered stakeholders in your building, in your business. And um, businesses, your business, shares its energy sources with the public as we stated in the video. And as the public has pain, then the public's going to be looking toward politicians who are going to be looking toward one. Who's causing this? Who can affect this? Who can help this? Who can, who's using more than their fair share? Um, I just, we had a, I had a coworker. Recently we had a freeze. And the power company um, rotated off their energy. It had a blackout. And their pipes froze. Their ceilings fell in. When consumers experience that kind of pain from energy, they're going to be looking for someone to help them out, and they're going to turn to politicians who are then going to have to ask, who am I going to talk to? You think back to the statistics, commercial buildings use 35%, and they waste a third of what they are using. Okay. So a question for you as a business leader, do you feel prepared? to discuss business, your business's consumption of our resources with stakeholders? Uh, I'm probably not all that prepared today <laughs> to do that, no. Okay. Well, 
maybe there maybe there will be an opportunity where you can be a bit more informed um, about how your building is performing. Okay. I want to ask you about the risk here. That we were talking about stakeholder scrutiny there for a minute. Um, what are a couple of areas there on the left-hand side that you're pay, that you pay attention to that are on your mind about uh, the risks of your business that you're um, that are heightened for you? You see on this graph here on the left-hand side, kind of no risk, you know, but moves to some risk or some over there in the red area, maybe a higher risk. Kind of looking through those seven or eight options, which ones would rank high in your mind? Well, a couple of them there. One, we, we do have some corporate initiatives starting about, uh, you know, our energy <coughs> conservation and, and greenhouse gas emissions. So we're just getting rolling on that. So it, it is, you know, so the energy <coughs> conservation policy is, is probably one of those things. Um, budgeting unpredictable costs. Building is now, you know, 15, 20 years old. And some, you know, we are seeing some you know, some of that equipment is, is uh, you know, it's gotten near its end of life and we're having to spend a little bit of money uh, and get some things replaced. Um, we haven't really seen the regulatory com compliance issues yet too much. Uh, and then it's all, you know, productive use of that capital as well as that unpredictable cost. Okay. Well, so I got those captured. Um, Energy conservation policy goals you need to meet that you're committed to, and then budgeting unpredictable costs. Uh, we'll go. We'll go to this slide here. As I mentioned, excuse me. You remember from the pie chart that productivity is one of the building's financial impacts on the business productivity. What's going on inside? What's your building? Let's talk about your business productivity. Tell me about this. What makes it productive and ultimately makes it fun for you? Well, in our building, you know, we one uh, administer the, our, our business processes and, and things like that. But we also have folks that are creating new ideas and new uh, R&D efforts. And so, you know, we have engineers and other folks that are creating new things, new, new products that we're going to bring to the marketplace or new services that we might bring to the marketplace. So, you know, we need those folks that's a big part of what we do. Sorry, I'm going to touch something. So, okay. Okay, so creativity, R&D, development. So your product and having an environment <coughs> workspace where they're focused on the creative side and not so much on, you know, their needs, personal needs. Is that yes. fair? Yes. So this graphic offers some examples of issues building owners may consider important. So which of these, um, maybe in addition to what you, in, in light of what you just said, which of these would be um, areas of focus that you're trying to leverage forward in your business? Well, one of them said, you know, facilities, getting, you know, 15, 20 years right now, uh, the workforce development is certainly Something that you know, keeping our good employees and attracting new ones. Um, you know, always uh, a budget that we can feel really comfortable with, and we're getting pressure from on the energy and, and the conservation side to do that. So those would be the big ones. 
So I heard you. I heard you mention um, what goes on inside the building productivity. I heard you mention workforce development. Um, I heard you mention your budget, aging facility. Which of those would you say maybe are the two most important to you? Well, there's two things that you have. 
you have the expert over on the right hand side, the medical professional, but then you have data. And they use data. So if you just have a doctor and they're looking at you and asking you a few questions and then they're diagnosing and telling you what they need to do, how much confidence are you going to have in that diagnosis? Especially if they're young, right? Don't have a lot of experience. Okay. Well, the way they do their job better and more thoroughly is they collect information. They collect information from the body. Okay. And that might be blood work. That might be blood pressure. That might be an EKG. That might be a CAT scan. All these things are tools to give insights, information to the expert. So that gives us a little bit of an insight into how might we do this in the building setting. So the building also is a dynamic collection. <laughs> the building is a dynamic collection of complex systems too. Plumbing, electrical, mechanical, they, they all interwork. Well, building professionals, maybe um, maintenance folks or maybe engineers that are, can see your building, it's very difficult for them to know what's going on with the system as a whole. They need data, they need information. And today there are tools, as you see there on the bottom represented, where there are tools where information that's already prevalent throughout your building can be gathered. And we gather that, companies gather that information to arm the professional with some insights as to where the issues might be in the system. LPT 55 disconnected. That's my part of it. That's my part of the role play, by the way. <laughs> we don't need it anymore. Um, so, the way we, we uh, collect data, we organize information, which is then analyzed for intelligence. And the intelligence is then reconciled with the human intelligence to identify what are the opportunities to improve the operation of that complex system to make things better. And the things that are going to be made better are things that you're aware of, that you, your priorities, but then also things that you didn't know were problems, things you didn't know existed that were issues inside this building. Um, so we, that's how you transform a building from risk to profit. At this point in our discussion, you know, in this talk, uh, seems like your building does have a big impact on your business. Sure. Okay. And so, from your perspective, are there opportunities, might there be opportunities for you to improve those impacts, to reduce the risk and improve what's happening inside your building? Uh, I guess it's a probably are. We have a good maintenance program, I think. You know, I see the bill for it, and uh, generally it's, it's nice and comfortable in here, but in terms of some of those other things you talked about and some of the initiatives you have, probably opportunities to learn a little bit more about. And you make a good point. And in thinking about it, are you aware, is your current approach to these systems, is it using data and insights and analytics to identify problems that maybe the human eye can't detect? Uh, my guess is <coughs> a little bit, but probably not very uh, consistent or uh, not a robust approach to it. I not Does it make sense to you how this setup would work? It does. It does. Is, that, does it, is it something that you 
look at and say, hey, that's, that probably um, does provide a little deeper look into this thing that's having a big impact on what I'm doing here and what my, my workforce, um, my risk, my energy usage. Uh, we talked earlier that you maybe didn't feel uh, equipped to answer questions for your community about how you're using their resources. Does it, does it make sense how something like this could give you a little more surety um, when you're confronted with your use about you, you know where you're at versus being in the dark? Yeah, I mean, certainly we're, um, there's certainly opportunity for us to be more proactive in some of those things that we're kind of reacting to. Well, there's a, there's a process. You said earlier, you said, I don't know if that can be done. I don't know if, um, if the improvements can be identified. When you blend a mission, mission critical service, which is boots on the ground service, with data analytics, you can improve the impact of that built environment on your business. And that's where you have a transformation from pain, pain in the P&L, to profit for your business. And there's a process on how you do that. How do we go about it? And there's, there's two phases. Phase one here, we're going to talk about first. But phase one is where we evaluate the most impactful and dysfunctional systems in your building. The heating, ventilation, and air conditioning system. And, the, and there's two purposes behind that. There's two reasons. Number one, it gets a boots on the ground presence in the building to understand how it operates. It's a, it's a living, breathing, functioning system boots on the ground and seeing what's happening, seeing how it's being used, and seeing what's behind the walls is critical to improving. The second reason it's important is starting here, starting in those air conditioning systems, saves time and money. Because if you improve, if you invest in improvements in dysfunctional systems, the improvements are oversized, over budget, and ineffective. So you want those systems, those heating and cooling systems specifically, that are prone to dysfunction, you want them to be operating well before you start figuring out what, how can we invest your capital to make improvements. Okay. So that's phase one. Is that, and this part of the process helps you assess the business case. So how much are you spending today to do those things? And what are you getting for it? So we help you analyze that. How much, what, what am I spending and what am I getting for my current um, care of this facility? And then phase two, after, after we're doing that, phase two, um, it begins about three months after implementation of phase one. And in phase two, we establish data flow. You, mentioned, you saw earlier the, the uh, information coming from the building you know, to, the, to uh, be analyzed. That's data flow. So you have to um, establish data flow. And then data analytics take data, organize it information, and analyze that information for opportunities. So that's part of phase two, where analytics filter through your priorities and then mesh that with human intelligence. So your priorities and the experts are the ones that look at that to see what the opportunities are, opportunities to improve, as we mentioned earlier. How do you keep, in a university, how do you keep more students for their sophomore, junior, and senior year? Or for industrial business, how do you reduce scrap and improve quality? Or for an office building, how do you increase the bottom line? Those are the opportunities we're talking about looking for. And phase two is where we do that. 
you go through, and at the end, by the way, there's measurement and verification, and then there's validate the promise. Did it happen? I don't know if you've ever had the experience of investing in something, and it just goes away, and you never hear again, how did that money come out? Okay. Well, that's not the idea here. The idea here is what happened, what were the results, and then are there new priorities to work on? That's the process. And, and I would work with him on that process to move it forward into an action plan, and then we go about um, our standard maintenance sales uh, process from that point forward to see if we can establish a customer and a relationship. Okay, so there's a, there's a script there, and I hadn't, I hadn't uh, trained with it, but we changed it. We changed it like five times in working together on this. But there's also a flow of a message. And I thank you. Thanks for, thanks for your participation there. Did you? Did you um, A lot of teaching about the insights and the analytics that come with dynamics. I think that's a huge part of it. it, it <clears throat> the way I see it is we're, we're, we're teaching them about all these things that we can do. And, oh, by the way, let's get a maintenance agreement signed up. You know, it, it's, a, it's a portion of, of the conversation, but the focus is all, more on you have all this data. You have the ability to get insights and uh, really smart uh, maintain your building in more of a smart, uh, efficient, and effective way. Let us help you with the maintenance, but you've got all these insights that nobody's doing anything with right now. Situation is going, 
that issue that you've got yourself to decide, put it on the table, and let's have a general conversation about what you need to do with that. Yeah. And then they and then they feel like they have an ally, a partner, to help them with that situation. That they they see it, and they go, mm -hmm. it's going to be a problem, but they not. And we just take that, and put it in front of them, and now they have somebody to collaborate with on, on, on the thought process. Yeah, more, more awareness than fear. So for and, and, and just know that, that we're gonna we're gonna write down some of the object not today, but as we train in this message, we're gonna write down things like what's the objective? What's the objective of the meeting? And when I sense that objective being um, accomplished, I need to move in to close the process. If, if I sit down at the beginning and oh, I get it, we got problems, well, I need a lot of help. I'm talking to the business manager and they're bought in at the beginning. Do I need to go into great detail on this whole thing? No. I don't. I go through it quickly to help them kind of get a flavor of what's going to happen. But the idea of this is um, to get them drawn in to making a change. And if they're there at the beginning, don't belabor because the danger for me and others in this room is we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and this thing drags on and on. We lose. We did a bad job when that person says, hey, I don't have much time left. Can we, what do we have to do to wrap this up? That's a bad thing for the prospect to say it. They said it to me all the time. That's not what we want. We want to be concise, on point. We're going to have to have a script. Now, let me ask this, MSRs in this room, how hard is it for you to not be talking about air conditioning in the first call? You feel like, oh, there's air conditioning. How do I not talk about air conditioning? That's what we do is air conditioning, air conditioning, air conditioning. And that business person, if I would've been talking about air conditioning with the business person, he would've quickly lost interest because that's not his job. There is a person whose job is there conditioning. It's not him. What did you hear this discussion being about? That you did mention 30% uh, of, of buildings are wasting their energy. And I, I, in a recent meeting with Bill, uh, he made a point of driving home to the, the prospect that everybody comes in to talk about energy savings, energy savings, energy savings. That's what all the other companies are talking about. But he likes to talk about energy waste and how we're going to help you with the energy waste. And I thought that was great because you mentioned that in your, in your talk. I don't know if you do realize it or not, but you, may, you mentioned how 30% of all the energy in a building is wasted. And I, I think that, that just by driving that home to the business manager, nobody wants to be responsible for a building that's wasting anything. <laughs> so. I guess 10 years ago, Up to this point, they may have just accepted it. 
and said, this is just the way it is. And now we're making him look at it as, oh, wait, hold on, time. I can fix that? We just gave up on that 10 years ago. We just figured 30%, 30%. Now, all of a sudden, we're bringing something new to the table that's not me, too. I think what we'll encounter most of the time is kind of what I got into this role play. It's like, it's my, did y'all sense it was top of mind to him? Yeah. I did. I did. Somebody said it earlier. He wasn't sitting there going, man, I sure do need help with this before I showed up. He was aware, but not top of mind. Maybe he was aware. What that big deal? Maybe nothing I can do about it. That, did you kind of, that what you were trying to project? Yes. Okay. And so what I'm trying to do is engage that person and there might be a way to make this better, and I'm interested. Interest. Tell me more. I want to understand. That's what I was trying to get him to. Y'all be the judge of whether that happened or not. Again, it's just a role play. Um, this is the challenge. Thank you, Rich. The challenge yourself. Flow. You can't read this. Okay. But it's the flow to the meeting. The beginning. So what it says down here, this is path of the meeting from beginning to end. The word right here is intrigued. Now, you may have noticed that play the energy scarcity video to update the person on current events, right? And then I asked him, you know, do you see this? He said, yes. Do you feel prepared to talk about your end use of resources with the public? Mm, I don't think I do. Okay, that's uncertain. And so, intrigued, we moved from talking about energy scarcity to talking about what, ultimately? Were we talking about energy scarcity at the end of the, no. We're talking about, about we're talking we about. can overall improve their business yeah. by improving their building. So, this, the energy scarcity is to get their attention and draw them into the meeting where they're going, oh, this isn't my typical salesman. Pitch. I hadn't heard this before. Let's see where this is going. It's to gather their interest. Intrigued. That's the idea behind the video. Draw them <coughs> in. But then we want to take, and Kelly Panasic is a big fan of big, um, uh, proponent. That's the word I'm looking for. She's a proponent of, we want to engage people for positive reasons that they feel good about, not negative reasons that they are afraid of. Okay. I start out getting their attention with, ooh, I don't know what I do there. Okay. But we transition to talking about opportunities. And ultimately, we want to engage with them because there's an opportunity to, to improve the building's impact on the business. Okay. Intrigued. That word says drowning. What would the drowning be in that first call that I just had? Grounding's not good. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's kind of overwhelming that it's something they probably haven't thought about. Yeah. And, and more importantly, don't have a plan for it. Exactly. So you go from drowning and then um, involved. Okay? And then ultimately relieved. Hmm. Because what are we talking about at the end? We're talking about opportunities. Remember the the graph that had uh, the risk that are high at the beginning, in the, in the real presentation, they'll be filled in automatically. We'll click, here's a risk and here's a risk. They'll click, they'll be filled in. That, their personal ones will be filled in and be on the top. And the opportunities will click and click and they'll be down here on the bottom. 
Okay? Their opportunities, their risk. And we want to take their risk and drive it down and their opportunities and drive them up. Gave a couple of examples. He seemed attracted to my examples about student in retention increasing at a college and university. Okay? We gotta give examples of these things. If he wants more details, he'll ask them. Okay? But at the end, we want it to be this kind of thing in our first call. Intrigued? <clears throat> That's not good. What do I do there? And then take it, hey, this is an opportunity. We'll address that risk too, where you will be equipped to talk to people that come ask you questions. But we're going to equip you with that, and maybe we're going to help you accomplish your budget objectives. He mentioned goals in the energy conservation area and green stuff, those practices. He needs help with that. Everybody needs help with that. They don't know how to do it. They've got goals. They don't know what to do. we got to make sure that they hear these things, these opportunities, and they share which ones are most important to them. Okay? That's the idea. I've got uh, statistics and proof, which I could go over, but I don't think we have time, of all the things that are in the energy scarcity video, our current state. <clears throat> energy is going to be a problem for our customers. Their usage of it is going to be a focal point. They're going to get pressure. They're going to be under scrutiny. And a big part of what we're messaging, I just had lunch with a guy with the South Carolina State Chamber, and we're talking about the State Chamber. I'm on a committee there. We're talking about that. And he goes, what are y'all doing? Okay. I said, we solve building performance problems for big energy users. Now, what did he ask? Was that So what do you do? <laughs> what's building performance? What's that? And what's a big energy user? Okay? That's going to be, we're going to all have to message together. We, we can't say, oh, we work, we work on air conditioning systems. We're an air conditioning company. I'm in the air conditioning business. How many of y'all said that in the last 24 hours? Okay? When they ask, what do y'all do? I'm in the air conditioning business. Do you ever get a question after that? Nope. Nope. Because <laughs> they know what that means. And you know what it means to them? Go on. Good see. When I say I'm in the air conditioning business, they think a couple, because I've been doing it a long time. They think a couple of things. They think, do you work on houses? Because I got a problem. Mm -hmm. you know, that's one. And then number two is um, like belts and doors. I mean, they are just busy. Or they think I build buildings. Belts and filters build buildings, or can you come help me in my house? Does mm -hmm. me say, you know, saying, I'm in the air conditioning business, does that do anything? to move the conversation where you want to go. Anybody? <laughs> None of us. We've got to have a message, and we've got to share the message <coughs> in a way that they go, what's that? Oh, well, I'll tell you what that is. And by the way, building performance, we can just say it's good. Costs, conditions, capital investment, efficient use capital, compliance issues, conservation, and contingency. What's contingency? Well, contingency planning, we just had a freeze. Lots of buildings had problems, water everywhere, freeze, contingency. Contingency also, COVID. 
They had to leave. They couldn't be in the building. It wasn't ventilated well enough. Nobody would come to work in the building. Contingency. One piece of equipment, it goes down. Everybody has to leave the building. Nobody can work in the building. Problem. Contingency. Contingency is about that <coughs> being unavailable for you in your business. Okay? Cost, conditions, capital, compliance, contingency. That's building performance. Big energy users. Six figures. That's who we're trying to help. Businesses that have six-figure six energy bills. We're trying to help them deal with these issues. Okay? We're going to have a message. We're going to have a pitch. And we all have to be singing off the same sheet of music. Because what is not going to work is when Bob says, oh, well, this is the way I say it. This is what I want to say. This is how I want to do it. And then Mary says, well, yeah, that's pretty cool. But I like it this way. I'm going to say it this way. We're going to all be on the message together. And that's the message. Now, this has still got to be made better. Link is going to help us by making that presentation I did. Barbie, thank you, Barbie. Barbie did most of that. Okay? Um, but Link is going to do that and make it more interactive. And probably make it where we can even email them a picture of risk and opportunities and their risk and opportunities. It's going to be much more interactive and engaging. That whole presentation can be much more interactive and engaging, and it will be. But that's, that's where we're headed. This is why both the challenger that sell said a complex sell, the successful people, the successful people that do it, are challengers, and this is what they do. This is how they go about delivering their message. Okay. Kind of questions and comments. Do you have um, just as a result of any of those things? It also helps us disqualify unqualified prospects in my head. When I'm riding down the road or I get a lead and, and I realize they're just a standard office building or a dentist office, they're not a big energy user. And so that just helps me spend time on the big, the big boys, well, which is even better. Ultimately, we have, a lot of, we have a lot of customers right now that aren't big energy users. It, it'll be a transition. And that's why targeting and uh, markets, that was mentioned earlier um, today, but targeting and markets and who do we want to, who are the essential businesses? That was a phrase that came out during COVID. We want to we know who our marketplace is that's going to value the work, that dynamic that those folks do in our business. They just can't help. Even though we do have like uh, Roos Chris that we're doing some in clarity stuff with, okay? They're not going to be the major beneficiary of what our dynamic folks do. It's going to be the bigger places that spend more money on energy. So yeah, that's our target. We're going to move. Our targets are going to move in that direction. What else? You know, a big thing that's going to be the the interesting part to me and, and how it evolved is you know historically we've always relied so much on identifying the pain. Where are the problems? Where are the humidity problems? Where is the the production problems and things like that. And it's going to be different to go through this process and find out how that pain can be different. I mean, it's still pain, but you know, we got to ask different questions to get to different levels of their business that we can impact them through the building and improvement. So, well, I will, I'll share this. Let me, let me get back to that. Um, if I can, <laughs> Well, those questions can be addressed still in the assessment. We still have to do an assessment 
Yeah, that's not like we're not going to talk about humidity and building comfort. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's all part of the after. Well, we, well, we've got to refrain from talking about how many breakdowns have you had, mm-hmm. how much are you spending in repairs, you know, which is historically where we kind of have gone. So it'll be exciting to see how those conversations will be different. Um, two of these things that I'll point out here, and there's reasons these are the ones listed as risks, and, but this one, you can't read them back there. That says access to financing. That's what that one says right there. Now, what that means is for the business person, they, they get loans a lot for various things. They get a lot of loans. Banks are pressured to not do, not give loans to a banker. Did y'all know that? That's the thing. I was at the South Carolina Chamber meeting. In South Carolina, at Hilton and there's a banker's panel up there, and they said that they are given, they are um, basically for them to stay in the good graces of the regulators, they have to watch who they're lending to. That means oil companies don't get loans. Today, that's what that means. You know what else it's going to mean? In Boston, they have, you have to report your energy usage. What do you think is going to happen with the ones that are using a lot? They're in a vendor, and they're going to be frowned upon, and they will not have access to financing. This is the this is our government's way of exerting pressure on our customers. Now, this is happening right now. I've got the articles to show it. The Security and Exchange Commission. You know what they do? They regulate public companies. So all the ones you own stock in is your 401k. They're regulated by the SEC. Okay. SEC is going to start requiring all these companies we own stock in to report their uh, carbon footprint. They consider that an important part for the investors to know about public companies. Did y'all know that? He'll know it. The business person will know it. Okay? All these things are pressure that's being put on companies in different ways that our government has leverage. You know what I mean? Finally, supply chain demands. Apple, got an article right there, has told all their suppliers, we want to know your carbon footprint and how you're reducing it if you do business with Apple. How many companies do you think do business with Apple? When you go call on one of them, that person is going to be going, hey, if you can help me with that, I need some help. But they got to report to Apple what their carbon footprint is and how they're reducing it. These things right here, you're going to study them, and we're going to have some examples, and we're going to talk about what that means. But what you're going to find is this is real-world stuff that business people are dealing with. We're going to leverage that to us helping them get their systems functional, and then start improving them after we get them function. I really expect that we're gonna, I expect, this is my, this, speaking to a room of salespeople, that we're gonna have to um, have a queue of new customers we can bring on board. 
because we're not going to be able to onboard all the customers that are interested in doing what we're doing. We're going to have to, okay, we can get to you in June. That's what we're going to have to do because our operations department would be able to do it otherwise. Now, you may sit there and think, that sounds a bit far-fetched. I don't think it is. And think about selling in that environment. You don't just go, oh God, where can I get an appointment? Where can I get an appointment? Will the gas station give me an appointment? <laughs> you know? Will any place give me an appointment? You're not thinking about that. You're thinking about where do I want to do business? And that's what we're going to do. <coughs> any other questions or comments before we get to our recognitions? Anybody? Yes, Rob. Have we uh, delivered this message to uh, like current customers in this format or newer customers and how we're, you know, if we have, what have been like the, the reaction? So two things, two things about that, no, we haven't. Um, two things have to happen. One, and, and Eric Smith and I talk about this a lot, we have to develop some, some scoreboard. We gotta develop some findings and some things that we are doing and have found for existing customers. So we gotta have something to say. Okay, we're working on that right now. That's why we got the dynamic dozen. So we have places that we can start getting data from and getting findings. Okay. The second thing is, is um, we got the message has to be sharpened up while we're doing the findings, and we're not in a position to go deliver that yet. Um, but it, we're, we're hopeful that by late spring. We'll be out delivering it to new places. We want to deliver it to our customers sooner, but we don't know which ones to deliver it to. What do you mean by that? How many of the nine? They have to find out who they are. You got to find out who they are. Yeah, we do. We got to find out who they are. What do you mean by that? But who they are? What do you mean? Well, people that are in, in need. Well, people that are going to be directly affected by those changes. People that meet the criteria. Like the people that do business. Yeah. Yeah. People that fit the criteria. Okay. We don't know um, how much energy our customers use. How, much, how many of the dynamic dozen are what you call the large consumers? Uh, about half. <coughs> about half. Because some of the dynamic dozen right now is in Clarity, and in Clarity is package units. And uh, so that's something that was a good start. Because in Clarity helps us with the um, virtual inspection part of our business and some insights as well. It's more simple. It's a simpler place to start. And so they're smaller. Bruce Chris is one of the in Clarity Dynamic Dozen. Um, <coughs> who are the in Clarity Dynamic Dozen? Right? Yeah. Charleston Surgery Center. Oh, yeah. Charleston. No, that's Clockworks. WIS TV, Spiric Sarco, which is a big, really big building, but that's a stepping stone to something other than in Clarity. <coughs> And then you got Ruth Chris, you got uh, Clinton YMCA, and Zeus. Okay, Zeus so those are all in clarity. They're a little bit smaller. 